And welcome, everyone, to a special Sunday episode of The Kuehl Show. I'm your host once again, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl. Say thank you for joining us here on this Sunday. Now, yes, I know for those that were following us in our last two TKS Quick Kits, we'll get to those replays here in just a little bit, but everyone's like, but Tyler, didn't you say you were going to be doing it all these on, you know, 6 a.m. Monday morning, 6 a.m., all that stuff about doing a morning show? Well, listen, okay, I had a phone, I had a conversation with the missus, and she came up with this brilliant idea. Do it the day before so I don't have to wake up at 6 a.m. to do a show. It's, it's very simple. Obviously, like I said before, Monday is technically our quarter anniversary. Not our first anniversary, our quarter anniversary. Why is it not the full anniversary? Well, kids, because uh, we got married on Leap Day. So our actual first anniversary is not going to be until 2024. <laughs> I had to remember what year it was. So obviously, but we're still going to celebrate. We're going to go out to dinner on Monday night, whatever. So I told myself, hey, you know, how about we just kind of wait on it a little bit? Let's not worry about it at this time, so on and so forth. So that said, here's what we're going to do, kids. We're going to do the show, not as long today, maybe only a couple hours, mainly because we got two interviews that we we're going to play back for that were from last week, our TKS Quick Hits. And I know I'm pretty quiet right now. And that's because the missus is still sleeping. She worked last night. So we're going to keep it down for the first part. She'll wake up eventually. And then I can start yelling and screaming because we have a lot to get to today. We'll have those interviews with Eric Pesolano of the Believe in Avalanche podcast, as well as the interview I did with Nick Alberga from Sportsnet 590 talking about the Leafs. So we'll be talking about we'll have those two interviews coming up here in just a minute. Also talk about the wild game between San Jose and St. Louis last night. We'll also talk about Jack Campbell coming back with a big game for Toronto. And we'll also get to the Pro Women's Hockey Players Association Dream Gap Tour game yesterday. They play again tonight. They were at Madison Square Garden last night. Also, again, here later on this evening. We'll get to that a little bit later on. Of course, this episode here, you're watching it on The Cule Show you're watching it not on 12-ounce sports right now, even though you see the icon in the corner. The reason why is because you're going to also be watching the replay tomorrow night, Monday night, on a usual 6 o'clock time slot on Zingo TV, channel 761. Get on there. Use the promo code 12-ounce to sign up there for free. That's 120 letter Z or Z for you improper English users. Go on there and check it out and be able to watch the replay at a normal time slot. Obviously not live, but that's why we're doing it here today. And of course, if you're not able to watch the entire episode today, that's okay. We're going to have our Make sure you can catch it on your podcatcher or the Kill Show YouTube channel. Obviously, if you're on it right now watching us on there, well, it'll it'll be up entirety later on demand for you on TKS. We will thank though our sponsors that help us get on for Zingo TV, including mybookie.ag down there in the corner. Sign up using the promo code 12-ounce sports. Win and get paid on mybookie.ag. And of course, as always, second string leather company up there in the corner. Check it out. 50% off wallets right now. Great deals going on there. Secondstringleather.com. Hashtag crafted from the crease. And of course, if you ever want to get your awesome TKS swag, go on teespring.com slash store slash the Kuehl show with the dash Kuehl dash show. Get on there and get your official TKS swag-tacular t-shirts, hoodies, shirts for the women, shirts for the men, shirts for unisex, shirts for everybody there on Teespring. So be sure to go check that out when you have a chance. Like I said, we've got a lot to get to today. Be sure to check that out. But we'll start off first with one of those interviews from last week. We're going to get to the interview where I was talking with Eric Pesolano last Wednesday, 
Talked about the Avalanche having a great season so far. A couple of hiccups since that interview, unfortunately. But they're still a team that should be reckoned with in that Honda West division. Let's check out that interview now with Eric Pesolano. Of the rink in Anaheim. I was hearing a lot about the, the good news coming because I saw a picture of the rink in Anaheim there posted by the Anaheim Ducks High School Hockey League. I know you can't talk much about it, but are we getting closer? At least you getting closer? Ah, uh, well... To the keen eye, if you look closer at that picture, it wasn't exactly Anaheim. But I'll 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 have you you go back and I'll I'll let your your listeners and your viewers go back and, and check that one out. We hope so. We certainly hope that's the case. Uh, here in California, high school sports, uh, outdoor sports anyway, have been given the green light uh, to go ahead. It's county by county, of course, with everything going on, but. Hopefully within the next few weeks, we're going to see outdoor sports, hockey. That's eh, a little bit different, right? Everything inside still has a little ways to go, but we're going to try to find a way. We, we want to get back to the ice, so we'll, we'll see what we can do. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting because my, I myself, I actually did my first high school game just the other day, and I'm honestly, it, it's, a, it's a different ball game. You know, you do, because I've done college hockey, I've done NCAA college hockey. It's, it's just a completely different retrospect on you know, just it's a different environment, right? Oh, it's a completely different environment, especially here in Southern California. Everybody knows for the most part that club hockey is the way to go to move up through the ranks. In Southern California, we have club hockey, but there's not a whole lot of it, but it is the way to go. And with the Anaheim Ducks High School Hockey League, it gives the kids who still want to continue to play hockey for their school a chance to go out there and wear the, the school emblem on their chest and get out there. So uh the support is something that i never thought i'd ever see i started doing this oh my gosh i'm going into my 12th year with the league now Jeez. but you know t 12 years ago we didn't know what to expect high school teams were playing club teams just to schedule games because there weren't many teams now the high school teams can all play each other and it has just grown exponentially and we don't see an end to that in sight that's obviously always good just the, knowing the growth of California hockey and I know there's everyone's like oh it's because of Wayne Gretzky and you know there's some some merit to that but let's jump to the team that you're working with right now Eric the Colorado Avalanche you picked a great time to go and by the way seventh episode of the Believe in Avalanche podcast just dropped today if I'm not mistaken right Eric that is correct yeah yep so that just dropped and let's just first get the reaction to this past weekend Saturday Lake Tahoe beautiful venue everything seemingly going to be working for this event and this thing called the sun this thing this mother nature thing called the sun decided to ruin it a little bit but i'll be honest the game looks better in the sun but obviously it was played better on the ice at least that was my perspective what did you think about the game at lake tahoe on saturday between the avs and the knights when you do something as grandiose as this you're going to run into things you didn't think you'd run into I know we have meteorologists and they all do a fine job, but you can't always predict the weather. Everything looked fine when they dropped the puck. As a matter of fact, in the podcast, I talked to Connor McGahey from Altitude Sports Radio, and he was saying everything everything looked fine for a while. And then all of a sudden, the clouds started parting and burning off. The overcast started burning off when it was getting closer to the lake. And now you have sun rays beaming down straight on that sheet of ice and guys start tripping and it's very, very unsafe course player safety is is number one abs look great uh, in that first period they were flying around out there i could tell they were a touch slower than normal i don't know if it's because they were outside and it wasn't just you know uh rows of seats behind them 
to make them look a little slower. But then we find out that the ice certainly had its issues. So they were doing great. They, it sounded like they wanted to keep going after that first period. But I think uh, I think the smarter heads prevailed in that one. And they went ahead and delayed the game by a full work day <laughs> before they got back out there. Well, that was, that was the crazy part in all this was because you, you sit there and you think, you know, because here's here's just a brief in, in retrospect on what happened in my day. That was the day I did the high school game. I'd worked the morning at the radio station. So I was on about three hours of sleep and probably been working about 10 hours up until that point. So I get home and I'm like, well, I'll watch the, you know, because it was the game I just started by the time I left. So I'm like, how about I go to, you know, I'm like, let me take a bath and watch the game, right? Just do like the straight white girl thing. Just sit back. I, I had beer, though. I didn't have wine. I had beer. I, I had my laptop there. I was going to watch the game. And the game, first period ends or whatever. And the intermission starts. I'm like, okay, I'll wait till the second period to get out or whatever. The second period never came, Eric. I finally got out realizing my body was going to probably be pruned by the end of it. It's the longest intermission ever. What did you do to spend your time? I was going to put on some of the other games. I think I did a little bit of that. Uh, caught up on the DVR a little bit. I had some things that were waiting. I uh, made some food, which, you know, it's what we do on Saturdays and just tried to pass whatever time I could. Hung out on Twitter a little bit and interacted with some of the fans, some of the Avs fans, and and just kind of waited around. And then next thing you know, it's, you know, where I'm at, it was only 9 o'clock at night. On most Avalanche fans, it was 10 o'clock at night. And I don't know how many people on the East Coast were able to stay up for it. but I stayed up for a little bit, a little bit. Did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I made it. I, I made it all the way to the end because it wasn't too bad for me. Uh, I still was uh, able to get the entire Saturday Night Live in. But uh, <laughs> after uh, after all was said and done, and they came out, and they they played great. And those lines looked like players on both teams were happy and and very thankful for what the ice crew was able to do to get that game back to playable, uh, get the surface back to playable, and. Hey, good for us. The Avs came out with that victory and, and another clutch goal late, and they get those two points, which were a big two points, by the way. My favorite stat from that four-game series against Vegas was Colorado won twice. They won once on the road, once at home, and both of those wins were in Nevada. I, I'm never <laughs> going to be able to say that ever again, I don't think. That was the strange part about it, because you almost wonder why they didn't give like the home games it's in Nevada to the Vegas Golden Knights. But I guess since Colorado hadn't had enough home games at that point, I'm not sure. But I mean, that's one thing with the schedule. But looking at the standings currently heading tonight, they are technically third in the West in points. However, in winning percentage, they are second ahead of St. Louis, who has got the most games, I think, except for Los Angeles, who both have 19 games between the two of them. As coming into tonight's game, Colorado winning percentage behind Vegas, nine five and one. What do you? What's your impression so far about the Avs? I mean, they're not bad, but it doesn't seem like they're meeting the expectations people had going into this season. I'm gonna make a bold statement here, and I am the most pessimistic person when it comes to sports, and I think it's mostly because I've had my heart broken so many times. I don't want to have it happen again. I think, you know, Cleveland Browns fans can probably sympathize with me. Uh, They had nothing to to cheer for ever until this year. They're like, wait, we know what it's like to lose in the playoffs? Yeah, that's a a good point. So I was, oh, goodness, I'm going to date myself here. I think I was 15 years old when the Avalanche won their last Stanley Cup. And that team was incredible. We all remember those teams. Yep. Uh, The first two cup winning teams they had. I have not felt this good about this franchise until this season. 
And Jeez. I think they've got a real shot to win the I, – I, I, there's no conferences, so they'll be one of the two teams in the final. <laughs> I'll yeah. put it like that. I, I think with so many issues with the roster when it came to COVID, when it came to injuries, that Jared Bednar and Joe Sackick had a lot of work to do. They still have a lot of work to do, and they haven't – I don't think they've really played a single game with their top, you know – 20-something guys that they wanted uh, from day one. They haven't played with that top unit all in one game. It's been taxiing guys in and out. Uh, no pun intended with the taxi squad, but I, 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 the way they've managed it and have still been able to rack up points like this and even look pretty good in games they haven't won, Monday night notwithstanding. They did not look good against Vegas in that final game of the four-game set, and they still had a chance to win that game. I know it was three nothing. They gave up all three in that third period, but they were still, they were still well in that game. A bounce here or there. I, I think I mentioned it on the podcast. They could have won that game five to three, and and we would have felt so much better about it in Denver. But playing well, you know, some nights you feel like, oh my gosh, they don't have it. Other nights you're like, wow, who's going to stop this team? I'm more toward who's going to stop this team because once they get to full strength and finally have a few games where they play together with that full lineup it's going to be tough to stop them yeah no no question about it because i think that's the the big kicker in all this because i was in denver last year during that series against dallas and i was just getting the i was listening to some sports talk radio in the area and there was a lot of people that were panicking i guess you can say i'm like oh my gosh how could this team lose I'm like well it's still a young team they haven't really ever had a run past second round yet with this group that they've had and, you know, Grubauer got hurt, of course. And then Franco's got hurt. You had to rely on Michael Hutchinson. And for us Leafs fans, we could tell you that's not what you want to do. Now, granted, he had an incredible couple games and actually got that team to a seventh game against Dallas. But, you know, they're back at it again. And of shockingly enough, Eric, the guy that's leading this team, some guy named Nathan McKinnon, probably arguably the best player to come out of Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia. I don't know about that guy in Pittsburgh. No one knows anything about him, but, but, Nathan McKinnon, once again, leading the team with 18 points. I mean, what more can you say about the guy, once again, leading this hockey club? Doing it differently. Also, he's got 18 points, but he's only got four goals. And I don't think that's anything that we all expected so far this year. He's setting up his teammates, which in the long run, I think is a huge help, especially when you're moving guys in and out of the lineup. You make your teammates feel comfortable. They're going to feel a lot better as that season wears on. I think you're going to see a team that's very battle-tested, from one to about 35. <laughs> We're talking about number of players that are going to get a chance to play this year with that team. I know it's not that high of a number. I'm, I'm here for the hyperbole all day long. But make it sound I, I big. Make it big. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of guys who are going to feel a lot more comfortable in the lineup who haven't played a lot of games in the NHL. We, we saw it with Jacob McDonald, Logan O'Connor getting a lot of minutes here this season. These are guys that are role players that are going to feel a lot better as the season wears on. It's kind of nice that it happens in a 56 game season yeah it's going to be real quick when it's all said and done but they're going to be forced into the fire a lot quickly and and forced to make those adjustments i think they've adjusted well and number 29 is a huge reason why everybody feels good yeah there's there's a lot of pieces though with this hockey club it's not just mckinnon you know cal mccarr while he's been in out of the lamp he's still up there in points who else do you think has really stepped up this year and really showed up that that they're up to snuff so far in the first part of the season for the avs I think it's a guy you mentioned who got hurt in the playoffs last year. It's Phil Grubauer, who, in my opinion, is the team MVP to this point in the season. 
this is someone who, when he was acquired, it was a, eh, all right, we, we got somebody in net, I guess. At least that was the feeling around Avs Nation. And now we come into this season, this guy might be the Vezina winner. By the time the season is over, he had his two highest goals against averages in his career the last two seasons. And this year, now he's got one of the lowest in his career, and he's on pace. It probably won't happen, but he's on pace to have the GAA under two. Right now, I think he's somewhere around 1.7 something or other. Uh, 1.78 with two shutouts. Yeah, yeah which was credit. He is pretty much carrying the load for the right. I think I asked Connor McGee, is he going to get a day off this week? We're not entirely sure. They adjusted the schedule a little bit. They have that Minnesota game uh, coming up later tonight, and then they've got a back-to-back against Arizona going into the weekend. And now uh, the, the game after that, supposed to be against San Jose, but of course they had a, a COVID uh, issue today, had to cancel yeah. their game against Vegas. So we'll see if that game on Monday even happens. But uh, that actually might help Grubauer's case to play all three games this week, but we'll see. Um, backup goaltending right now is a big question mark. Hunter Misko went back down uh, to the AHL. And then we have Adam Werner, who's the backup goaltender right now, who has not seen the ice so far this season. Maybe he gets a chance in one of those two against Arizona. We'll see. But uh, for me, Philip Grubauer's got to be the guy that gets the most praise right now. If if there is a season, because nowadays in the National Hockey League, you see a lot of the 1A, 1B. You need to have two goaltenders that play well, especially in 82-game season with the rate of play that it is and how much of wear and tear it is on goaltenders these days. You can't have a goaltender like Craig Billington going like 6-7 and seven for the behind Patrick Waugh. But if there is a goaltender to really – I mean, if there's, a, if there's a year to have one guy just play every game despite a condensed schedule because only 56 games and having to be a sprint, it's this year. And I guess that's what the Avs may have to do with Philip Grubauer. First of all, shout out to Craig Billington. You can chalk that one up under names. I never thought I'd hear it again, but I loved him when he was around. You, you know, he, he did what he was asked. Um, one, at least won a few games. Won a few it, games. Yeah, right? We, we don't need too much. Just the, the other guys got it. You come in here and give us a couple. I think you're right. I think the condensed season really helps. Um, one of the big issues the Avalanche are going to face for the rest of the season is they no longer have two days off consecutively for the rest of the regular season. True. And that's all due to schedule, uh, you know, rescheduled games and whatnot. So every other team has that at least once or twice the rest of the way. They don't have any. So for Grubauer, rest is going to be very important. They're just going to have to take the bumps and throw somebody out there every now and again just so Phillips got some rest before they go to the postseason. The good news is, you know, the length of the postseason is back to normal. There's no bonus round, as I called it last year, that they might have to fight through. Uh, we're back We're back pretty much to normal. And the other good news is the first two rounds are going to be against teams that you saw eight times during the regular season. Exactly. So you kind of know what you're up against. Um, the rest factor, it, it might be an issue going forward for him, but as long as he stays healthy, they're going to be in good shape. Because then you can look at the possibility of playing against teams that may not be as good. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, Anaheim's a lot more improved this year. I know they may not be a playoff team in the playoff hunt, but they're a little bit better. But like when you go up against him like San Jose or Anaheim, or not Anaheim, Los Angeles, that, you know, can be competitive, but isn't a team you need to really worry about, the team that you don't need points against. You know, obviously if it's Vegas, you'll probably get Grubauer, but you can put in Miska or someone else you know, to, to give Grubauer a break against the lesser teams, you would think, right? 
Uh, yeah, but I wouldn't count out the Kings. Uh, they're sitting right there in that four spot right now. And if they get in, take a look at the West Division or the, the Honda NHL West Division. Did I, did I, did right I blink? Now? I thought they were last just last time I checked. But then again, that was <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> yeah, they, they creeped up a, a little bit there going into this week. But, you know, everybody, pretty much everybody in that division is within a point of each other. So Holy you cow, you're right. Punctuate, but yeah, with every game that uh, is played, somebody's moving from fourth to eighth or up to third. It, it's a mess. But you look at the goaltending in this division, everyone wonders, you know, they're a little frustrated with the offensive output for Colorado. Well, there's a reason for that. Look at the goaltenders in this division. They've got to face Jordan Bennington eight times. He won a Stanley Cup. they got Jonathan Quick eight times. He won two Stanley Cups. John Gibson plays for the worst team in the division. I mean, what else, what else can you, you possibly do to beat these guys? And it's going to frustrate them. We see it a lot, too. And when Miko Rantanen gets a great shot or Burakovsky on the outside gets one on target and it looks like you have an empty net. I think Kadri had what looked to be an empty net against Marc-Andre Fleury the other night. Nope. He just nope. pushed off the pads and moved over to the side and was able to knock it away. Almost no problem. What, what else do you have to do? You're running your offense damn near perfectly and you still can't score on these guys. So you got to get through those first two rounds. It is not going to be a cakewalk. It almost might be easier in the third, you know, the, the semifinals and the final that it would be in the first two rounds if you're coming out of the West. That, that's true. Because I'm actually looking at the goals against right now. The team that has the worst goals against in the conference is San Jose with 64, which I don't think is shocking anybody right now. Uh, the team that has the lowest, which may be a shot. I mean, not, I mean, Vegas is the lowest, but second lowest is actually Colorado has the least. Vegas is second. Third is Minnesota, which... I mean, you know, they have a much improved goaltending with having Cam Talbot in there. And I know Alex Taylock's still out, but they have Capo Kakinen, who's a really good young goaltender. But, you know, going back to the Avs and looking at the team that they have right now, and like I said, I'm shocked now because I swore L.A. was last just the other day and Minnesota was like sixth or something. And it was going to be the top three is going to be Vegas, St. Louis, and Colorado, which I had picked in the beginning. But is there is there a player on this team that hasn't really – looked as good as they should has there is there a guy that's kind of i don't say let their foot off the gas but just kind of slowly had like kind of just gone through the motions in the first part of this season eric this one hurts me a little bit because he's such a huge piece on the penalty kill and that's ryan graves i think he's he's taken a lot of heat in in the in denver over the course of this season even a little bit at the end of last year that when it's five on five there's just too many mistakes that that have been made but my goodness, is he such a big piece on that penalty kill? He stepped it up the other night against Vegas, and the Knights. I think I think the Knights scored once on the power play the other day. But uh, the Avs have one of the top penalty killing units in all the National Hockey League, and you hate to take a guy like that out of there. <laughs> but uh, I think he's one who would need to improve all around. But it, it's tough to single out just one person. If I had to pick somebody, it'd be him. But even with him, there's still some positives going around. So that's. That also contributes uh, to one of the reasons why I feel great about the team this year than I have in years past. Well, I mean, that's just one thing. I mean, it's really hard to have another have the guy have the best plus minus in the league for the second year in a row. That's something that's uh, was a shocking to me because I totally forgot that. I mean, plus minus plus minus is a tough stat to follow nowadays because there's some forwards that can score like a hundred points. Like Leon Dreis had a good plus minus. Well, when you're not on the ice when the other team scores and you're the one scoring, that makes it easy. But uh, just a few more minutes here with Eric before we have puck drop tonight. Nine o'clock puck drop Eastern Standard Time for the Avs and Minnesota Wild right out there for you. Lucky enough for you, it's only six o'clock, so it's still daylight over there in California. But 
going down. Uh, you know, it's staying lighter later. Uh, we're getting closer. We're getting closer to the daylight savings. What is it? Ending or beginning? I don't remember which one it is. Either know, way, my my yeah. phone does it automatically for me these days. Same, same. But, but yeah, this is this is going to be one of the rare one-off games. You know, the NHL scheduled it the, the season mostly as series, back-to-backs, or three or four in a row. Uh, this will be a rare one-off for the team. They're going to have a few with all the rescheduling. But tonight is a rescheduled game as well. It was supposed to be played. Uh, this was the game that was missed right when Minnesota found out they had some positive tests. I think Colorado won 2-1. to one, And then the game the next day was was postponed. So this is that rescheduled game. And then, you know, the two Arizona games had to be pushed around a little bit. And, and then we'll get, quote-unquote, back to normal. I, mean, I don't know. Who, who knows what normal is these days? I mean, sure. Yeah. I, I'm so used to watching, you know, the, the Leafs and Fountain in the North Division because a lot of my a lot of my social media friends are up in Ontario, so they're always talking about, oh, this big <laughs> game tonight between Vancouver and Edmonton, third game in a row, and and I'm like, oh, so I'm used to seeing teams play multiple times. Obviously, when COVID happens, I mean, kind of gets in the way, but you know, Minnesota. I, I was listening to the bar uh, the the Bar Down Beauties podcast, and they were talking about how you know Minnesota, their offense starting to click, and it seems like since they've gotten back in the swing of things after their big COVID outbreak, they're starting to get better. And Minnesota, I mean, like we talked about, they're right there in the playoff hunt right now. They have a really good defense score. They have good goaltending. You know, talk about this matchup tonight. What do the Avs need to do to knock off what is seemingly like another pesky Minnesota team? Uh, outside of Vegas, St. Louis, Colorado, just like you had, um, I had Minnesota as the fourth team going into the I did postseason. Too. I did yeah, too. I, I, yeah. They always I, I make had- it. Somehow, they've been a thorn in my side for years. I'll never forgive them for ending Patrick Waugh's career. But uh, they're they're starting to click again. They're absolutely correct. Uh, their offense, you know, I, I don't care how old Zach Parise is. He's always going to be the guy for, for me. Uh, just every time you see him out there, whether it's Team USA, whether he's with the Wild or years ago when he played for New Jersey, you, you always had to keep an eye on him. So, oh, yeah. Uh, while watching him fly around out there, even where he's at in his career, is, is something to watch. It's it's going to be another uh, piecework game for Colorado tonight. Brandon Saad is out. Uh, he's with his wife for the birth of their child, so he's out of the lineup. They move Landeskog back to the top line, so the three-headed monster is back. I'm excited to watch them get back together on the ice. Landeskog was on the third line the other night against Vegas. So a couple things being slotted around. Um, Burkowski is going to drop down to that third line and, and replace Landeskog there. Um, so uh, we'll we'll see. It's it's just another an, another shift for Jared Bednar, who I, I think said either earlier today or yesterday that every time he sees the offense not quite clicking the way he he'd like it to, I'm going to change things around. And, and he was kind of forced to today, but you can see some of the other moves uh, were probably based around that reason alone. So we'll see how they work out tonight and then see if they can go get two points against a, a really stingy wild team. Oh, man, the wild are uh, there's always been three certainties with the Minnesota wild. One, they'll have some of the just the most rowdy fans at their arena, no matter how bad they are. They'll make it to the playoffs somehow. And if they do, they'll always beat Colorado in seven games in the first round. That, that's just how it's. Hey, I mean, Andrew, I mean, you remember Andrew Burnett, beautiful goal. And then Nino Niederreiter. In 2014, ending Patrick was pretty much his glory days if he was a head coach after one season almost. Yep. I remember sitting on my couch watching that game, and, and when that happened, it was all you could do was turn the TV off and go to bed. And it wasn't even that late out here. But yeah, that's, that's no. all I wanted it to. But, you know, every time uh, it's a game against the Wild, it, it heats up just a little bit 
little bit more. Uh, so, so we'll see if they go come out swinging tonight and, and maybe get this rivalry really going again because uh, all these – it's been a while since they played each other, right, with, with the postponement. So it's right. nice to see them get back to each other. But, uh, you know, well, I, I guess we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes. Hopefully it goes well. Watch out for Kill Kaprizov, though. That guy is having an oh. incredible year. 13 points already. He scored in the last game between the Avs and the Wild. I mean, that guy is just yeah, like, literally out of the, the coming out of nowhere stories. I mean, there's there's been some guys that Colorado's obviously had. Kale McCarr. Well, honestly, Kale McCarr came out of nowhere. He was a Hobie Baker award winner. But then in his first series in the NHL, he looked like he'd never, like he had been there before. Kaprizov is almost that same way. So obviously, that's someone the Avs have to watch out for tonight. We'll let you get ready for that one, Eric. Hawk drops in just a couple minutes between that game. We'll stay here on TKS. Eric, make sure you guys can follow Eric at Eric underscore Palisano. Make sure you can check, or Pesolano. Why can I say Palisano? I just completely reversed your last name. Pe- <laughs> Eric Pesolano. Hey, I trust me. I've seen that highlight of you. You completely messed up your, your own name when you were doing a broadcast. Oh. I, I seen that highlight. That's, that's impressive. When you give yourself someone else's name, that's something else. But check I, you know, if you can't laugh at yourself, I don't know what else you can do. <laughs> Be sure to check out the Believe in Avalanche podcast at Believe in Avs on Twitter. It's on Apple Podcasts and the Believe Podcast. Or check out all their great podcasts there for Believe. Eric, thanks for te- taking the time to stop by today. Enjoy the game tonight, and hopefully we'll talk to you later on down the season when, you know, maybe the Wild and Avs will be in the playoffs against each other? Question mark? My goodness, I hope not, but thanks for having me, Tyler. Always good to talk to you, and we'll see you soon. And welcome back to the Kuehl Show here on the Kuehl Show Networks, also the playback and the replay on 12-Ounce Sports or the Kuehl Show YouTube channel or your favorite podcatcher as well. Thank you once again to Eric Pesolano for taking the time last week to chat about the ads a little bit and a little bit about the Anaheim Ducks High School Hockey League. That's what we started off the interview with. We talked a little bit about that because he's the director of media and play-by-play broadcaster for the league. So a lot of cool stuff he does out there as well does Mr. Pesolano. We also talked a little bit about the Leafs last week, not with Eric, but with another gentleman. We were able to get a word with Nick Alberga. He is the the host, co-host with Gord Stelic of the Leafs Nation on Sportsnet 590, pre- and post-game coverage, along with giving fantasy hockey coverage for Sportsnet as well. Let's check out that interview where we talk about the Leafs the Leafs' expectations, and goaltending and Austin Matthews, and pretty much a breakdown of the team thus far. And, you know, Toronto, as Nick likes to say, is the center of the hockey universe. Nick, hi, man. Uh, Tyler, fantastic. What an intro. We're the centerverse in Toronto, no? No, yes, you are. Don't tell any of my friends or family. Or <laughs> like, another Toronto guy? Come on. Of course, well, I will say this, though. Because we had James Sabolski on about a month ago, and if you ask him, they're the hockey central universe. Mm. But I made sure I told him, like, listen, you're just Toronto West, and which at that point he was like, what? But I mean, it's true though. Toronto is the hockey market, the hockey central of the world. It's got the hockey hall of fame, the headquarters. It's it's where everything's at. And that's why I love Canada, right? I think every market in this country will make their their stake to claim that they're the it factor. They're the team in this country. So it's a lot of fun. And as you as you know, uh, in in this COVID world, this season has been like no other. And it's been fantastic document so far, my man. Oh, it's been 
It's been wild. Of course, that's the reason why Toronto was the Eastern Conference hub last year. But just quickly take us through kind of, you know, how everything is in Toronto right now. Because I, we talk to people from pretty much all around Canada. Northern Ontario is where we hit on a few weeks ago. Where, what's it like in the city itself right now with COVID and everything? First off, my apologies for wearing a hat today. As I was telling you off air, it's, uh, you know, COVID and lockdown continues here. So unfortunately in my area in Toronto here, um, you're not allowed to get haircuts right now. So I've stopped really? recording the plan. Yeah, we're, we're on complete lockdown. It continues at least for one more week and we'll see where we go from there. But it's, it's pretty crazy because some of the other municipalities around have stuff open, have restaurants open. So they're starting to roll it out um, quietly and, and, and slowly. And that's probably the word I would use. But yeah, it's, it's been really, really quiet. It's been really eerie and weird, you know, in recent years, I've been able to go down to Scotiabank Arena and do my pregame intermission and postgame from there. It's a bit different this time around, going in a studio for half the games, doing it for my condo the other half. Uh, but in general, Toronto's been really, really quiet, and I think people are doing their part, and hopefully uh, we're out of this soon here. Yeah, absolutely, because that's, I think, the biggest thing is, because I remember when I had James Tobolski on, and I asked him, like, hey, you want to be on video? And he's like, uh, no, my, my beard's getting a lot out of control. Yeah, it's it's a tough time right now. But again, um, you know, we're lucky to be able to broadcast and do our thing, and it shouldn't matter what our appearance looks like, right, to an extent. <laughs> exactly. I mean, as long as everything sounds good, of course. And that, exactly. That's been the crazy part, too, because like you said, you've been doing a lot of stuff. You haven't done a whole lot of stuff in studio, have you? Uh, so a bit in studio, but that's the amazing thing about technology. And I guess I was fortunate because I started a podcast a couple of years back, much like yourself. So I bought a bit of the material. Who would have thought not doing the podcast, I would have the technology possible uh, to continue doing radio shows during a pandemic. But I, I think as we moved on throughout this uh, weird season, I've been able to go in the studio more often. So it's been a lot of fun and a nice, uh, you know, change from reality the last little while here. Yeah, I'm, I won't tell my buddy Mike Stubbs that over there in London though. That was he, he's my guy. He, I, I, we had him on probably a couple months back, and he's been in his basement doing his shows for uh, yeah. for 980 there for I think he said like five months now. But let's jump on the Leafs bandwagon here. Well, a lot of people have been jumping on the Leafs bandwagon over the last few years. Team's looking good right now. They're first in the Scotiabank North Division. And, you know, everyone, obviously, it's a game-by-game -game basis on everyone, every, how everyone reacts to this team. But they do get the win last night, a 2-1 win over Calgary after getting shut out on Monday night. How do you think the game went last night for the Leafs? Yeah, wasn't that a microcosm of Willie Nylander's career so far that oh, I think yeah. he was MIA for the majority of the game? He had, what, two points in eight games coming into last night, and then it's two goals, uh, you know, a foot from the crease or a foot in the crease, and... And that's very dissimilar to what we've seen throughout Willie Nylander's career. But that's just the way this season has been going for the Maple Leafs so far. I think there are some concerns clearly when it comes to injuries right now, namely Austin Matthews. I watched some tape last night looking back. Some of those shots that I don't know how much torque he's putting on his wrist right now, but the, uh, the points continue to accumulate. So I'm sure they'll take the victory. Um, it wasn't a Picasso, but I subscribe to the theory that uh, there was greater attention to detail last night because you know who was in between the pipes and it wasn't Frederick Anderson. That in itself, we'll get to Hutchie in just a little bit, but I think yeah. you know that it was a, just a weird game because the way I listened, I was listening to Hockey Central earlier today and and Justin Bourne came out and said, like, man, it just seemed like it was a boring game at some points, but the Leafs were out, able to outplay him. Willie gets two goals, Matthew assisting on both of them. But it just, I mean, for William Nylander, is that just a kind of a weight off his back getting those two goals, including the overtime winner? 
I think in most worlds it is, but I don't think Willie cares. Like, I don't want to compare him to Phil Kessel, but he just does his thing, right? Like, I don't think he's he's subscribing to the latest media outlet. I know he's big on Instagram and doing his thing, but I feel like Nylander's in Nylander's world, if that makes sense. And, yeah. you know, I, I really... I'm not putting much stock into these struggles lately. I think Nylander is going to find his way, especially when you have the attachment of John Tavares, who I think it's inevitable he also is going to get going, and they're attached to each other, so it means they're both going to get going. Um, It's a long season. I think we do forget that watching this game and and talking about this game, even in a 56-game slate, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, unless you're Austin Matthews, of course. But it's very, very short company where they never struggle. Connor McDavid's on that list, Leon Dreisettle, Matthews, so far this season there's going to be ups and downs and i think recently it's been a down but you know i was telling gord last night on the broadcast just statistics and how you could manipulate them because you look at the the last five games it's three goals in the last five for willie nylander so he's out of this right oh exactly i mean he's he i mean he's one of those guys and of course it did help it didn't help that he had the long holdout a couple years back i think that's why expectations have risen for him but of course you look at the guy he had to beat Big save, Dave Riddick. Who would have thought that? I mean, he just has this thing against Toronto. I think Justin Bourne, I didn't, I didn't hear the stat, but out of in the entire history of the Toronto Maple Leafs, of goaltenders that have played at least five games against the Leafs, Dave Riddick has the best save percentage against the Leafs. I think he out, it was a shutout for 118 minutes and 32 seconds before Willie scored to tie the game. I mean, what is it that makes big save Dave just hate the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, I think any player, we were talking about this last night of the broadcast with Gord Stelic as well. Just, you know, I started to compile the numbers as well on David Riddick. I think it's been, it was four appearances going into last night. He had won three of those four and had put up superb numbers with a shutout. Sometimes you just own guys, right? And I correlated, you know, to what happened in the bubble against Columbus, right? Jonas Corposalo and Elvis Merzlikens. It seemed like Toronto was throwing everything but the kitchen sink and couldn't solve a Columbus netminder. I don't care who it was. And you know, I said it after the second intermission to Gord, the Maple Leafs need to find a way to get the job done tonight. And that they did. You know, it took the 71 shots on goal previous to finally solve, um, you know, Riddick, the way he was playing last night, the way he shut them out on Monday. And you have to win ugly sometimes because I do truly feel these games prepare you for the Stanley Cup playoffs. But you're right. It seems like Rick Riddick, for some reason or another, has Toronto's number. Not to mention he's filling in for one of the best goalers, uh, goaltenders excuse me, on this planet right now, at least in my opinion, and Jacob Markstrom. Now, of course, you got to look at the fact that Markstrom did lose both games that the Leafs played in Calgary. That's probably why they went with Big Save Dave. But Austin Matthews, we talked about him, gets both assists last night. 18 goals, 13 assists, 31 points, leading the team by far. Everyone's looking at him. Art Ross Trophy, Hart Trophy candidate. Bangs up his wrist, though, in that one play in the, was it the second period when he went down? Uh, should we be concerned? I mean, like I said, he kept playing, but he didn't take many face-offs after that. Honestly, um, you know, and maybe it's a glass half empty, half full type approach, but I I think you watched the game tape last night when it comes to Matthews, the second half of that game, some of the shots, even the shot late in regulation before they scored, uh, it wasn't full Austin Matthews power and Sheldon Keefe after the game, uh, you know, mentioned that Matthews has been dealing with it all season long, which even adds to the greatness of Austin Matthews this season, he hasn't skipped a beat. Um, I think for the most part, players are dealing with injury occurrences on a daily basis. Uh, Keep saying last night that it's something uh, treatment will take care of, but he can continue to play. But it's certainly at this point worth documenting as the Maple Leafs build up some distance in the standings as they head into this crucial three-game set with the Edmonton Oilers. It's going to be a lot of fun. The way the Oilers have been playing and the way the Maple Leafs have been playing, they're going to collide here for three in a row in Edmonton. 
man, those are just they're going to be tough games, too, because it looked like at one point just with Edmonton's goaltending that, you know, there was going to be no chance because Costco was get overworked. Now you got Mike Smith in there and he's played pretty well for the most part. But you mentioned Sheldon Keefe talking about Austin Matthews. This is his first, I guess you can say full season. I mean, starting with the team on time. But what was the what was the stat? It wasn't he didn't have like the best record among NHL head coaches over like an 82 game span dating back to last year. I mean, how important is Sheldon Keefe been since taking the job with the Leafs? I love the statistics and, you know, I might be off on this one, uh, but I think that's 50 goals in the last 66 games under Sheldon Key for Austin Matthews. Like the pace he's, he's producing at is, is absurd right now, but I think there is a method to the madness. And we talked about it uh, more than a year ago. Mike Babcock relieved of his duties before that game against Arizona. And I wondered for, you know, a month before everybody in this market wondered, why haven't they given an opportunity for Matthews and Marner to play together? And that's where I think, things started to change for this team for the better. It just makes too much sense to put two of the best players on the roster, never mind the entire league, together on one line. They're going to be dominating. And sometimes they don't have it. You know, perfect example, Connor McDavid's had a variety of different line mates. Sidney Crosby, I mean, the list goes on and on of, of stars who just couldn't five, you know, and it couldn't work with supreme line mates. And I know um, you look at what, what McDavid has done. Yeah, you could mention Leon Dreisaitl, but they're, they're separate entities, at least right now. I think putting Marner and Matthews together just changed the looks for this team going forward. And I think um, that's why, you know, to to an extent, that's why Matthews has really got cooking the last year or so because just the chemistry off the ice is pretty evident and now we're seeing it on the ice. Well, because I've seen the video because they're – what game was it? They put up like four points together earlier this year. But what they do – during warmups is they literally they go down every time two on all they pass it to like do tic-tac-toe right in front of the net during warmups like not like high intensity intensity but just just back and forth have some fun with it but i mean they i think they showed it on hockey night in canada they're like look at these two guys playing together just having fun but then they go out on the ice and during the game and actually do it i mean that in itself i'm not saying it's like full scale you know mario yager yet but those two are just becoming a real dynamic duo in this league well, man, you play this sport. It's all about having fun. And it might might seem like the smallest thing, but if you remember back to when Babcock, and I'm not piling up on Mike Babcock, I just don't think he was the right fit for this team, at least this con- configuration. They weren't having fun. Uh, we could remember the last time they were singing Living on a Prayer on the bench. Remember that? A couple oh, years man. back with Mitch Marner. Like, nobody was cracking a smile. And I understand that winning cures all. You start winning in hockey games, you feel good about life, the confidence, it goes in your legs, it continues to grow. And that's what we're seeing so far this season. It really is night and day from how, how poor that start was last year. They could never get going to the superb start this season. And it just continued. The momentum continues, continues, and continues. But that's one of the more noticeable things under Sheldon Keith. These guys are having fun. And I think in any walk of life, when you're not feeling stress, you're going to produce. And quite frankly, that's what we're seeing right now from these big boys. Just a little bit of relaxation. I mean, obviously you want to have yeah. a coach that keeps everyone in line, but you don't want to have a drill sergeant that's on you all the time. Because like I said, these guys are kids. And that was kind yeah. of part of the downfall with Babcock was the fact that he was just on him so much and they just didn't feel like they had room to breathe or room to fail. And Sheldon Keefe said, listen, guys, I know what it's like to coach kids. I've coached the American League, the Ontario Hockey League. I know what it's like to coach youngsters. And maybe that's why Keefe has been able to do so well. Yeah, it reminds me, honestly, of my Little League days when my Little League coach was the most intense person ever. And you can feel the stress inside, you know, with the team. And, and it reflected on on how we played, uh, honestly. And I think once we got a coach the year after that was really – 
a guy who just was chill and laid back, we started to produce. And, you know, on a different level, you can compare it to the Toronto Maple Leafs, why it is night and day. Granted, again, some of the changes they made as well. But I do think it's it's often not talked about a lot, but that's a big thing for me. If you're having fun playing the sport and enjoy going to the rink every day and cracking a smile, more odds than not, you're, you're going to produce more um, than if you're stressed all the time, the way I thought they really were at the end with Mike Babcock. Yeah, and obviously, again, a little bit more relaxed. But I think the big thing, though, for this team, obviously, because before when they couldn't score, they had to rely on Frederick Anderson. Now, Freddie's had the last couple of nights off. Hachi plays both games against Calgary. Didn't look too bad for the most part. That squeaker in the game on Monday, only one goal last night. But let's be honest. I mean, what do you think about the goaltending? Hutchinson's 2-1 and one in his two games. I know Campbell's been out, but he looked good in his two starts. Freddie, I, I won't say he's the, the question mark here, but he is 11-3-2, but he does have a 2-6-9 goals against average and a 9.05 save percentage. No, neither of those numbers are anywhere near the top. Only the wins category is. How have you thought the goaltenders have been so far, especially Frederick Anderson? Yeah, so firstly, the stats are integral, in my opinion. I think you look at the last couple of years, the fact that the Maple Leafs have, you know, their backup goalie has won four or five starts, I think is a pleasing development in this market. Number two, I got to give Hutchinson some love because I've ragged on this guy for years. I just don't think he's an NHL quality net miner. And so far, he's stepped up, you know, in, in three games so far this season. I think he's been more than adequate, notwithstanding, of course, a couple of uh, smelly ones, one against Ottawa, a couple against Ottawa, and certainly the Bennett goal from the other night. But I thought he was excellent. I yeah, I thought he was solid. Maybe excellence pushing it a bit. But I thought he was solid and did enough for the Maple Leafs to win that game, clearly. Surrounding one goal. Uh, you know, the fascinating thing was the run support, right? Just two goals in two games against the Calgary Flames. And you have Michael Hutchinson, I would tell you, probably losing both games. So I got to give him a lot of credit. When it comes to Freddie Anderson, like he, he's, you know, he's always been a guy who's been inconsistent, always has slow starts and really starts to cook. It's, it's unfortunate he got hurt because I think before that he was really starting to settle in and get into a groove. He had a couple games where like, oh, here we go again. But for the most part, I think Anderson's been okay, and I think when you look at this team, they're going to be driven by their offense uh, regardless of the time of year. But I think when push comes to shove, I have enough faith in Freddie Anderson to get the job done in the Stanley Cup playoffs because that is the lasting memory from the bubble, which I don't know about you, I still have a sour taste in my mouth, to lose to the Columbus Blue Jackets. But we don't forget, we remember, of course, a couple bad goals on Frederick Anderson, but not that the Maple Leafs were shut out twice in five games against Columbus. Think about that. A team known for its offense could not produce. So um, I, I'm more of a Freddie supporter than other people out there. I, I am too. I love Frederick. And that when he first came over in that trade before the 16-17 season, I was still salty because I was a Reimer guy. And I knew I knew I knew Reimer wasn't going to be the guy for a long period of time. But he didn't need Burn yet. He was fine. 2013 was... Reimer was the goaltender. At least that's how I still believe it. It's been eight years. I can't get over it. But, you know, he, he he's always seemed like a guy that can, the second half of the season always does well. The playoffs get a little bit rough for him at times, but, yeah, it's, you know, you know, to each their own. But, you know, I, I look at last, like, last year's playoffs against Columbus. I knew going into game, I picked Columbus in four. I thought just, just the way Columbus's defense was going to be. The fact that the Leafs, you know, gave everyone hope and pushed it to five games, I think made it worse. But, Freddie, when he comes back, whenever that may be, whether that be against Edmonton, whether it be later on the season, he's going to have to really step up because he is the guy. And, you know, he's getting to that point at the end of his contract right now that he needs to play those big minutes if he, A, wants to get extended and, B, wants to maybe bump up that salary a little bit. 
You're right. I think COVID or not, a lot is lying on this season, not just with Frederick Anderson, but this team in general. And I think the current, uh, you know, configuration, I, I do think this team could be in line for a major trade if it doesn't work out. And by that, I mean, at least winning a round, at least in my opinion, they should win the North Division. I think by far, in my opinion, again, I think they are the best team in this division so far. It's proven that way, but it's a different animal in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You're right about Columbus. It was about to be done in four games. And then that miraculous comeback where they were down three, nothing late and scored three goals and won an OT. And then, uh, you know, the poop emoji in game five. I, I, I still can't get over that. The fact that they came out so flat in game five after the momentum we thought they all built. And again, we know there's no momentum from game to game, but I was utterly shocked at the response. And, you know, I'll be fair because again, it's still in temper, ex my, temper my expectations, but I like the personnel change. I like the grit factor, guys like Simmons coming in. You know, I think Bogosian has been really solid in the back end, TJ Brody, Joe Thornton. I think these type of guys were brought in more so for the springtime and the Stanley Cup playoffs. And yeah, they produced so far this season, but something feels different about this team. And I hope we can re-rack this clip in a year from now and say, hey, that Nick Alberga guy was on to something because we had the same type of feeling with Tampa a year ago, right? Well, you knew it was a little bit different because they seemed tougher. Now, granted, I did pick them before they lost to Columbus. I literally said on this show, I said, congratulations to Tampa to win the 2020 Stanley Cup because I just felt yeah. like they were not going to win. Now, granted, I in round one against Columbus this year, I said they were going to lose as well. But regardless, Nick, I mean, last question before I let you go here. You talk about, you know, the Leafs winning the North Division. That's great and all. And they may win a round, which is awesome. They win two rounds. Awesome. They get out of the North Division, go into the semifinal. But how do you think they stack up against the rest of the league? And that's what makes this year so unique is because you don't know who is actually the best team in the NHL because everyone's just stuck in their own division. How do you think the Leafs match up, at least on paper, to the eye compared to Vegas and Tampa and, you know, a solid team coming down over in the East in Boston again? How do you think they match up against the rest of the league? And what are the expectations for this hockey club realistically? Well, that's exactly it. Trying to quantify what this means, what this start means against the rest of the National Hockey League. And working for Sportsnet, it's been North Division all the time, and I get it. But I do watch a lot of out-of-market hockey, maybe even more so than North Division hockey. And as you referenced, there's a lot of really good teams. And a theme seems to be the Atlantic Division too, right? The Florida Panthers off to an exceptional start. The Tampa Bay Lightning. Vasilevsky is going to win the Vezina Trophy again at this point. He's oh, yeah. been unbelievable. No Kucherov, it doesn't matter. They're going to get him back, you would think, uh, coming up in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Boston Bruins haven't skipped a beat. I think Vegas is a really good team. I know people are wondering about Colorado. I think they're going to find their way. I like St. Louis. There's a lot of heavy teams, and that's the one thing people call the North Division the AHL division, and I get it. Um, you know, there's not much defense going on, although there's been a lot of unders in the last two, three weeks. So think about that going forward. But you're right that, you know, that's the one thing that escapes us right now is how these teams, especially the Maple Leafs, stack up against the rest of the league because they haven't played them and won't play them until a potential conference final. But uh, it's so crazy to me, Tyler, the fact that we have four divisions and the fact that we could see three Atlantic teams come out of those four divisions and play each other at some point in time in the final four just speaks volumes to the depth in that division. Don't get me started on the Buffalo Sabres, of course. <laughs> Oh, but the Buffalo Sabres, but they can totally rally and whatnot, right? I mean, they, they just need a couple good starts from Landis Allmark, and they need Jack Eichel to not... I can't wait to see where Taylor Hall goes at the deadline. <sighs> well, how much, you, <laughs> how much do you think Kyle Dubas could get good old boy Kevin Adams to retain? That's all we can ever ask, right? LTIR. Well, that's, 
That's the big question, right? Because uh, I'm already looking at potential names. April 12th uh, will come fast and furious as we move into March and the next week. And next thing you know, the trade deadline's here. And not to mention, as you know, the quarantine, uh, the two the two week quarantine here in this country that we saw with Pierre-Luc Dubois finally makes his debut a couple weeks back with, with Winnipeg. And I think lucky for Toronto when you talk about that is the fact that they have some you know, distance between them and say number four, I think at this point, there's no home ice advantage, whatever. Um, I think if you're the Maple Leafs, you get in and you love the crown, but who cares? Um, I think you're trying to position yourself now for the trade deadline. And yeah, Taylor Hall would be a guy, but I said he'd be perfect in Ottawa because it would guarantee them the, the first overall pick, right? Oh yeah, I can see he's, he's got that little bit of lucky charm for him. I, I guess quick last question here. Yeah. What what do the Leafs need? Do the Leafs really need, what do they need to add to this team? And obviously we've known Kyle Dubas likes to get aggressive with trades. We saw with Jake Muzzin a couple of years ago. He got him in what, January it was or whatever, yeah. long before the deadline. What do you think Dubas is going to look for to get this team better, to maybe get them to that peak of, all right, we're Stanley Cup contenders now for sure. Yeah, so my colleague at Sportsnet, Elliot Friedman, does an excellent job, uh, you know, put out information early on in the season. The Maple Leafs are looking for a top six winger. Um, which is interesting because they have four bona fide studs right there, but I guess you can never have enough. Um, I think in a perfect world, I'm looking for depth on the back end, at least for starters, uh, you know, at least one defense from maybe two, especially in the rigors of a Stanley Cup playoffs. You're, you're going to need more than just your sixth defenseman. You know, I'll say it right now, and it certainly helps with the depth where they have Mikko Lettinen and hopefully a healthy lineup, of course, with Jake Muzzin out. And I think no doubt they'll look at the trade market I think Vulture's already starting to circle in Nashville. You look at names like Granlin and Eric Halla, uh, really, really come to mind. I think they'd have to be, you know, um, you know, very different, very, you know, analytical the way they look at a potential Philip Forsberg swap. Uh, creative is probably the word I would use to describe that. But I, you know, I think creativity will be the name of the game, especially in this dead cap era, if you want to call it that. And there's got to be money in, money out, and some retention on deals, right? But I look at teams like New Jersey, like I think Kyle Palmieri would be a really, really good fit. He's in a contract here, but you'd need New Jersey to eat some salary. So I think it's going to be difficult for them to add a guy that they really, really, really like uh, to play with John Tavares and Willie Nylander. But it's, you know, it's things to, to think about as well. And they'll take a flyer as we've seen now on Alex Galchenyuk. And I think as we cl- get closer to the deadline, they'll have a better indication of what they want to do here. It'll be certainly interesting to see what they do at the deadline and what the Leafs do the rest of the year. Like I said, first in the division, something none of us have been able to say in our lifetime, at least not for a long period of time. This may be the year, but obviously it's when you get to the semifinals when the real money is made. We've been chatting with Nick Alberga here on the special TKS Quick Hits here. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at the Golden Muzzy. Check him out as well for Leafs Nation pre- and post-game with Gorge Selleck on Sportsnet 590 and also his excellent fantasy hockey coverage as well. He does chime in from time to time with Hockey Central, but Jeff Merrick seems like he doesn't want to take a day off these days there. Nick? I love Merrick. I love Merrick. I love those guys. Merrick, he's got he's he's Mr. Storytime, let me tell you. Encyclopedia. That's what I call him. Hockey encyclopedia, Jeff Merrick. Man, that that'll be if Jeff ever writes a book, it's not gonna be about him. It's oh. gonna be about everything that he knows. <laughs> it's it's he he honestly is amazing. Like just what he's done for my career and just his knowledge of the game. I love Jeff Merrick. Quote it. <laughs> if, I, I will definitely quote. I'll tag him in. I'm like, if there's everything you need to know about junior hockey from 1973 oh. in the Greater Ontario Junior Hockey League, whatever it was called back in those days, Merrick's your guy. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Nick, we'll we'll be we'll definitely reach out to you if you know maybe later on, maybe the Leafs sure. are those final four teams. Maybe I fingers hope. crossed. Knock on wood. Let's hope so because I'm pretty sure Leafs Nation they just need to go to the semifinals just so the you know, the Twitter universe can blow up and explode that the Leafs are actually good again. 
we've been chatting with Nick Alberga. Nick, you have yourself a good one, all right, and take care and uh, have some fun uh, with Gord there on Leafs Nation. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. And welcome back to the Kuehl Show, everyone. Ty Kuehl here, the insider of the insiders here on this Sunday afternoon. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday afternoon. Yes, I know my voice is now a little bit more elevated because the wife is awake and, uh, yeah, so I can, I'm not going to start yelling. Okay, I may have something to yell and scream about here in just a little bit. We only got another hour on this show, only two hours today. You know, I mean, I, you know, I like to go two and a half hours, but we're not in our six to eight thirty time slot, which is usually on Monday on 12 hour sports. We're just going to go two hours today. So, you know, we're just going to relax a little bit. I just had some tea. I didn't have coffee. I had some tea. Granted, I called a couple games yesterday, and they were a little intense, and my voice voice got a little uh, a little parched, a little, a little sore this morning, so just kind of had to recuperate the, the vocal cords a little bit there. So regardless, we move along here on this Sunday. Once again, like I said, you can catch the replay all the time on the Kuehl Show on the YouTube channel and also your favorite podcatcher. And, of course, tomorrow night, Monday night, on Zingo TV, channel 761, 6 o'clock. You can find the replay there. Only uh, just like taking a look at the, the out of town scoreboard today. We got Buffalo and Philadelphia just about to kickstart here in just a moment here on the TV behind us on ESPN Plus. Only one game already today. Boston beating the Rangers by a score of four to one. That was over in Madison Square Garden. Charlie Coyle, Trent Frederick, Charlie McAvoy, and some guy named Charlie Coyle again. His second goal of the game. That being a shorthanded goal late. That right there was the scoring. Colin Blackwell, the lone goal scorer for the Rangers in that game. The Bruins now 12-5-2 on the season and presumably a stranglehold, at least seeming like, on the, well, not a stranglehold on the East. Obviously, Washington's right there. The Islanders taking on Pittsburgh later on today. That'll be an interesting game because all of a sudden Pittsburgh wins and they're jumping because right now, taking a look at the standings, whereas some divisions, the Central, the North, there's a little bit of a spread, not as much in the West as there used to be. Uh, obviously, San Jose and Anaheim are falling down there. But in the East Division, between fifth place and first place, Boston, three points. Boston and Washington each have 26 points. Islanders have 24. Philly and Pittsburgh, four and five, sitting each with 23. Now, obviously, there is a little bit of time left, 46 games for Washington and the Islanders. Philly's only played 17 because they had a few of those games against New Jersey canceled, so they got a lot of time left. But you got to know and you got to think that... Yeah, I can take these off. Who am I kidding? I can take off these. I don't need to hear myself anymore. I can just hear the room, if you will. My beats I was talking about for you people listening on the podcast. So, But it's a very tight battle going across the board. Philly, who has not played great compared to last season, they're still 10-4-3, and and... You know, if you get games like these when you're playing Buffalo and the Devils and the Rangers, who, like I said, you know, they're not looking too good this season, guys. You want them to be better, but obviously they're a little bit of a buying because A. Panarin's gone now as he's going back home to help out his family in Russia. But there's just a lot of unfortunate aspects to it as, you know, realistically, it's a really good hockey team the Rangers have. It seems on paper. You know, Georgiev, of course, Georgiev got kind of dinged up in that first period of the game today. So he had to had to leave the game, but then came back later and unfortunately couldn't he surrendered a couple more goals. But I I don't know about this Rangers team. I, I had high hopes from I think I picked them to be in the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. 
I thought, you know, Lafreniere is going to come in and make a big impact right away. I thought, you know, Panarin was going to be another Hart Trophy caliber season. Zabanajad really came on strong last year. Pavel Buchnevich on the back end. But it just seems like there's something wrong in Rangertown. And that's, I mean, obviously you have DeMello, and then you have the management for allowing DeMello to be, or D'Angelo, Tony D'Angelo, not Dylan DeMello, Tony D'Angelo, excuse me, D'Angelo. You have that whole saga. And now you have this with Panarin. Like something is in that room that's not making it easy for them to win hockey games, right? Like that's something that this team needs to figure out if they want to get back on the winning track and try to find a way in the playoff spot. Now, is the season's not over, but when you're six points out of, I guess, a playoff spot at this point, fourth and fifth both have 23, or 23 points, it's a lot to ground to make up here. Now, like I said, that's only the only positive side about playing all your games in the division is that you have a chance to try to take those points away from those top teams, but they got to figure out a way to beat them first in order to get that going. Speaking of Madison Square Garden, the Pro Women's Hockey Players Association Dream Gap Tour, their New York showcase, kicked off last night. That game over, the game one, at least, excuse me, that was over at the Protec Ponds Training Center. Now, it's funny because everyone heard about Madison Square Garden and everyone got really confused last night, or some people were, at the when they were playing at a like, like a public rink or a practice rink. But regardless, it was a great game. That'll be tonight, though, they're at Madison Square Garden. The teams are Team Adidas, which is the Minnesota team, and Team Women's Sports Foundation, the team from New Hampshire. So the New England team, if you will. So that, it was a it was a very fun game to watch. I I tried to keep tabs on it because I was broadcasting last night, but I did my I did a little bit. I was able to kind of you know just had it on my tab open on my laptop. I was calling a Davenport game on the ice, and I just took a look over. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a pretty close game. It was scoreless after one period, one one after two, and then all of a sudden, Team Adidas came flying out of the gate and absolutely just started tearing the Team Women's Sports Foundation apart. Big game for Abby Rock, who had two goals and two assists. I believe she had three points, if I'm not mistaken. Let me look at this, the box score here. She had all of her points came in that third period. Wow, that was she, – she just came out flying. She had a couple of good goals. Kendall Coyne Schofield, of course. She had a good chance earlier on in the game but was stopped and then was able to score a goal later on. Hillary Knight getting an assist there. Other goal scorers for Team Adidas, Riley Houston – and Savannah Harmon, also the goal scorers for Team Women's Sports Foundation. Haley Scamara and Gigi Marvin were the goal scorers. One of the three stars of the game was the netminder for Team Adidas, that being Nicole Hensley, who made 37 saves of the 39 shots she faced. It's, it's, that just right there was a testament to Team Adidas getting outplayed, but their goaltender bailing them out because the shots were, if I'm not mistaken, they were 39-30 in favor of New Hampshire. Who is calling me? Holy cow. I'm getting like 1,500 phone calls today by scammers. It's today National Scam Day. <laughs> like, I got one saying I had a $700 charge to Amazon, and I've had three different numbers call from it. Not a single one's left a voicemail. I, it's it's nuts. So, regardless, back to hockey. Instead of scam people, or scammers calling me. It was a fun game to watch, exciting game. They play again tonight, 7 o'clock puck drop. NHL Network and Sportsnet up in Canada are going to be broadcasting the game. Last night it was broadcasted globally on the CBC Sports website, which was great because I got to watch it. Won't be able to tonight, A, because I got dinner with the wife, and B, I don't have NHL Network. Now, I may be able to find a uh, a stream 
wink, wink, hint, hint, wink, wink. I, you know, I'm, I'm excited because this is good hockey. Now, the, the funny thing is there are all these two-game sets. Only right now, only New York and Chicago coming up later on, coming up next month, actually, this coming weekend. So back-to-back weekends of Dream Gap Tour Hockey. So now the way it works, in order to, to earn the showcase cash prize pot, is that you get two points for a win. However, last night, Team Adidas got three points. Now, why is that a thing? Because they scored five goals or more in a game. Now, well, that's kind of crazy, right? Like, But it makes it interesting. Instead of just your basic aggregate scoring, as you would see in either, I'm trying to think, like you know, Champions League hockey or UEFA Champions League for you so- football fans, your soccer fans, they added some more point stipulation. So for a regulation win, it's two points. OT wins only one and a half points. Shootout win is one point. OT loss or shootout loss is half a point. No points for regulation loss. There can be an additional points if a player scores a hat trick. No one did last night. Rock came close, though. She had two, and she had a couple more good chances in that third period as well. A goaltender records a shutout, which obviously didn't happen last night, despite a great game played by Hensley. That's one point. And a shorthanded goal is scored. However, neither, despite both penalty kills doing well last night, I believe it was 0 for 3. 0 for 3 went New Hampshire. 0 for 2 was Minnesota. But no one scored, but that would be one point as well. And obviously, five points, five goals or more is one point. So three points last night. So for in order for Team New Hampshire to come back and win today and win the showcase, they would have to win the game, obviously, outright, regulation. I mean, obviously, they could win in an overtime win, but they'd have to somehow get just a bunch of other points to go along with it. There's a bunch of tiebreakers, most points based on game results, best plus minus. There's a lot of you know ways to break it down if, for some reason, there is a tie. So obviously, if you're New Hampshire... It's going to be, let's just start firing everything at the net once again. I mean, this team has a good, I mean, this is not a slouch team, just despite the score. I mean, look at the team they have. They have Brianna Decker, Amanda Kessel. Oh, gosh, they have Katie Burr, Alex Cavallini. I mean, this team is stacked from top to bottom. And, you know, of course, same thing with Team Adidas. They have Rock, who played really well. Hillary Knight, we talked about getting a point. Maddie Rooney, Kendall Coyne-Schofield, Hannah Brandt. I mean, the, the, the amount of talent for these teams is it's incredible and it's so exciting to watch. So if you have NHL network or if you have Sportsnet, or if you know somebody that is going to be streaming that game, uh, be sure to tell your friends because guess what? People should definitely watch for sure. Um, everyone really is. I mean, even the NWHL is promoting as well, which for me, uh, for, I don't think say for me, but I think for women's hockey in general is so important because you can't not talk about it. You can't just avoid the other, the, I'm going to say your competition, but because obviously the NWHL and PWHPA are doing two very different things. PWHPA is kind of doing like what the Premier Lacrosse League is doing, where they just kind of play games throughout like a traveling tour. It's obviously, it's a Dream Gap tour. But I like that idea and the fact that they're continuing on and trying to grow the game and NWHL supporting them, PWHPA is supporting the NWHL, it, and in the fact that they're getting national recognition. Whether or not they both agree, either of them agree on how each pro, how each league or how each organization is running things, the fact that women's hockey is getting in the national spotlight is huge. I don't care what part of it, what side you're on on it. I I just ordered my PWHPA sweater last night, and I'll probably wear that with my Toronto Six shirt underneath it because I support both. I support women's hockey. I love women's hockey. It's it is amazing. It's fun to watch. 
It's exciting. And that's why we're doing like the NWHL scoreboard. Now, Tyler, why did you do the scoreboard for the Dream Game? Because A, it was one game. Two, didn't have a whole lot of time this weekend to do that. That's why I haven't been able to do college hockey scoreboard because I've been so gosh darn busy with my other broadcasting and other work that I do right now because it's starting to pick up now that they're, you know, allowing us to play hockey in Michigan again. It's great. Oh, by the way, did, did some of you guys see this yesterday? Uh, we tweeted it out, and um, we tweeted out a post that came out yesterday um, but from UNC Hockey, North Carolina Hockey Club, college hockey, albeit. They are, as of right now, not being allowed to play their season down there in North Carolina. So... <laughs> I let me let me just make sure cuz I forget did I tweet it out or did was, let me make, let me just make sure here before I go full yep yeah, I if I made sure I tweeted it out. I couldn't remember if the Kiel show tweeted it out or I tweeted it out. Sometimes I just I forget what happens on days like that. Um but so here's what they said. Heartbroken and disappointed to say that our team was denied permission to compete this semester to err on the side of caution as safety as a contact sport. And then UNC Hockey was kind enough to make sure they throw a little shade out there and said, that being said, we hope all of the close to 3,200 fans in attendance for the UNC basketball game tomorrow have lots of fun. Great job, South. You're doing a great job. Oh, man, just fantastic. Fantastic, guys. Listen, I, I, okay, I get it. Club college hockey doesn't make as much money as your ACC college basketball down there in Tobacco Road or whatever in UN Duke. But I can tell you right now, when you say one thing, when the school won't let you play hockey because it's a contact sport, yet you're going to allow a near-capacity crowd in North Carolina, in Tar Heel country, inside, in an arena. I'm not saying you're posting a double standard, but you're doing a really good job of making you look like a bunch of doofuses. I I get it, and listen, I'll be honest with you, I've never, I, like, I don't, that's why I'm, whenever there's a game either a basketball game or a college football game, I usually choose the team that has a hockey program, if there is one. Boston College versus Miami Hurricanes, let's go Eagles, because they have a college hockey team. I mean, why do I ever, why do you think I look at a matchup between, you know, the Miami Red Hawks versus University, or Ohio University? Now, yes, Ohio's got a good ACHA D1 team, but I'm going to cheer for the Red Hawks because they have an NCAA D1 team. Now, on this scenario, it just shows the fact that some people just have a complete insensical, non-doesn't-make-sense kind of view on athletics because it doesn't make sense that we can say, let's just have a bunch of people go in arena all yelling and screaming and guarantee you down in North Carolina, no one's wearing a mask down there because they don't give a crap regardless. But you can't play hockey because it's a contact sport with padding on and whatnot. And okay. I get it. It's a contact sport. But here's the thing. If you're going to do one, you got to do the other. So if you're going to allow fans in, lots of fans in, you probably shouldn't allow, you know, you should be allowed, excuse me, should be allowing hockey to be played. Correct? Because you're allowing basketball to play. Basketball, if you haven't noticed, when you box someone out, you're touching them. That's a contact sport, isn't it? Right? Hello, McFly! <laughs> I, I don't get it. If you're going to say one thing, like, okay, if you didn't play basketball, then that makes sense. You can't let hockey be played. But if you're going to let basketball to be played, 
which they don't have any pads on, by the way. They have their jerseys and some wear the undergarments or whatever, but most of their skin's exposed. And you talk about contact tracing and sweating and all that good stuff and breathing on each other. What is basketball? I mean, what is ba- Are you admitting that basketball doesn't try hard? They just jog up and down the court? Well, okay, that makes sense then. If you're going to admit that basketball is a lazy man sport, then there you go. That's how you do it, kids. Because it it is intense. You sweat. You have a lot of perspiration. You're breathing on each other. So what's the difference between basketball and hockey in terms of contact sports? Explain to me that. Man, I'm getting spam callers with the wazoo today. I had one like last, or I had one like early this morning, like eight o'clock. Like they've been calling me all day. So anyways, that's my story. That's my thing on it. I, I, I understand why you wouldn't let hockey be played. Because, I mean, uh, it sucks, but then the problem is that you're letting another sport that just as, has just as much contact going on, maybe not as much, not as, not as open court hitting as you may probably call it, but you're still boxing guys out to get rebounds, and they're at the free throw line together. You have one guy here, one guy here, one guy here. I, I like to think they could breathe on each other from that close, couldn't they? I may not be a scientist. I may not understand the human body as well as my wife does. However, if that's the case, figure it out. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not yelling right now, right, guys? I'm I'm in a good mood. I don't know what it is. Maybe that's a Sunday thing. Maybe it's because it's the random show that I'm not like full scale, full tilt angry at everything, which I guess makes sense, right? I mean, I, that's, that's probably an okay deal. Moving along here in my very positive outlook on life. I, that could be the tea talking, I'll be honest with you. Maybe it's because it wasn't Death Wish coffee. I did have Death Wish coffee this morning when I got up, but I've had tea since then. It's a lot more relaxing. Holy cow, I'm getting like 15,000 phone calls. Okay, we're going to take a break so I can maybe tell one of these people to, to kick rocks here. We'll come back with more. We'll talk about Jordan Bennington and how he lost his mind last night and a couple overtime goals as well. We come back with that here on the Cule Show right after this. And welcome back to the Cule Show, everyone, here on the Cule Show today, 12 ounce sports tomorrow here on this Sunday afternoon. I do apologize for that. I kept getting phone calls, so I went on my, my Amazon account. And I get it. You know, those automated messages, people get paid to you sit there and yap out random crap like that. But holy cow, seven, I mean, a $700 charge. I'm like, I've spent a lot of money before, but never that. And also, because I made sure I'm there, I went on there, checked my order history, nothing. I made sure I checked my debit card account, my bank account, nothing on there either. Okay, we're fine. Holy smokes. If they do call one more time, you'll hear me yell at them here on the show because it's so stinking annoying. Anyways. Right before the break, we'd already talked about the Pro Women's Hockey Player Association Dream Gap Tour up in New York. We talked about that and how Team Adidas pulled out four goals in the third period to win 5-2 to two last night. Game 2, 7 o'clock tonight. Sportsnet and Angel Network covering the game from live from Madison Square Garden. Be sure to check that out as well. See if Team New Hampshire can try to find a way to get back into it. Right now on the TV, we got Philadelphia and Buffalo. Good news for Sabres fans. Jeff Skinner's in the lineup. That's good, right? Bad news, they're wearing the dumb reverse retros they got, so there's that going for them. 
So, I mean, we'll see if that helps Buffalo. They're playing the Flyers, who are, like I said, trying to battle their way into a playoff spot against Pittsburgh right now, tied for fourth in the standings, currently ahead of or behind, ahead or behind? I forgot what it was. Where is it? There it is. Ahead of Pittsburgh on a tiebreaker based on the fact that they have less losses than the Penguins do. Buffalo last in the standings. I Well, I'll say this. Here's my thing about Buffalo. I am shocked. I am shocked that they are this bad because we came into this season thinking, all right, Buffalo's going to compete, guys. Buffalo's going to play hard. They got Taylor Hall. They got Eric Stahl. Carter Hutton and Linus Selmark, okay, but they'll be there. They'll make some big saves when they need to. Rasmus Ristolainen and Jack Eichel, and here we go, and just a big old fat old wet turd coming out of Buffalo right now. At least the Bills were good this year, right? I mean, geez, at least one team is good up in North, North Upstate New York, excuse me, not North, not North New York, because you almost say North York, and you end up talking about Northern, Northern Toronto. So, Regardless, let's talk a little bit more here about games that happened last night. So, if for those of you that went to bed at a normal, reasonable time last night, the St. Louis Blues played a hockey game, supposedly, between them and the San Jose Sharks from HP Pavilion, or the SAP Center, excuse me. And let me tell you right now, guys, it was the most bonkers game I think I've ever seen. Well, not ever seen, but at least probably within the last calendar year. And there was, of course, a couple wild games. And, of course, there was the two three-goal comebacks for the Blue Jackets. And there was the 5-1 comeback for Ottawa. But it was just such a weird game because here's the difference. And, of course, well, okay, I do say that now. Now I'm thinking about the 8-5 Edmonton win over Ottawa. So maybe not. But I I just try to figure out what the heck happened in this game. And it wasn't like one team got, you know, just went blowing out another team. It was a close game. Just neither goaltender felt like making a save, at least the starters. Devin Dubnik got the start for San Jose, and Jordan Bennington, as per usual, would start for St. Louis. And so I'm like, okay, well, this could be a very interesting matchup, and if Bennington plays like he should, they should easily win, right? Because Dubnik's not that good anymore, unfortunately. Sharks pull out their reverse, they're not the reverse, their actual retro jerseys, the good ones, and... You know, the play goes on, and next thing you know, goals are scored are coming and going really quickly. And next thing you know, Bennington gives up his fourth goal, and they decided, hey, or Craig Bruby's like, you know what, we're going to give him the boot. Billy Huso, go on in there. Go figure it out. And for some reason, Jordan Bennington decides he's just going to lose his mind. Well, not lose his mind entirely, but he's just going to decide he's pissed off, and he's going to go after somebody. Goes after Shemek, goes at fake punches Eric Carlson, and then goes and gives Devin Dubnik a shove. Listen, okay, now this, first of all, Twitter was ablaze after that because holy cow, like Bennington has shown in the past that he has, you know, he has an edge. He's Mr. Calm, but he can, you know, be set off a little bit because remember the playoffs, the 2019 playoffs, he remember how he gave a quick shot and a quick slash to Ben Bishop as they were crossing paths. Bennington's that type of guy. He's literally the epitome of Jonathan Quick and the fact that he will just lose his mind for no reason. Ronnie Hextall at least had a reason. Now, some people are like, well, fly, you know, Pittsburgh fans or other people that had to play Philadelphia. Like, he never had a reason. Listen, Ronnie Hextall always had a purpose. You think he went after Chris Chelios for no reason? No, he was going after him, defending Brian Propp. Yes, did it have to be after the fact that they realized that Philly was going to lose that series? 
Yes, but hey, you know what? It happens. Kent Nielsen, he slashed him right in the back of the leg. Why is that? Because Glenn Anderson came by and gave him a tap. Now, did it not maybe hurt Ron Hextel? Maybe it probably didn't, but guess what? It's about it's not about the injury, it's about sending a message. Now, yes, he chopped Kenny Nielsen hard enough that he actually got suspended for the next season, because that's back when the NHL says the playoffs are too important, guys. We can't suspend anyone. But next year, Ronnie, you're getting suspended. It's I'm pretty sure that's how John Ziegler called him. I don't know exactly how he said it. But regardless, the the game was just wild throughout. Vili Huso comes in, and, you know, he had to make some really big saves in relief. He did give up two goals coming in in that second period, but he was able to do his part. And next thing you know, St. Louis comes back. Marco Scandella. Oh, boy, that's our. Hold on a second. Stop calling. I think I hit the how I hit the pound buttons. So maybe that works. I don't know. I keep getting phone calls. And there's the thing. I'm like, I'm not getting emails or anything like that. They're not leaving voicemails. So I'm like, I know it's fake. Anyways, back to the show here before I lose my gosh darn mind and throw my phone across the room. Marco Scandella, who went into that game last night without ever scoring a goal. Well, scoring a goal this season, at least he scored before, scores twice, including the game winner. Funny how hockey works. Huso picks up the win. Blues get the win, and Laura story, and we had on last week. She was, she even said she was like, "What did I just watch?" She was on social media last night, of course. Crazy game, bonkers game, but Bennington. I okay. Here's my thing about Bennington. Obviously, it's good that the Blues won. It, I don't know. It wasn't like people were mad at Bennington after the fact. It wasn't like the fact that I don't think people were were going crazy in the fact that Bennington did it, like angry at him. I mean, obviously, Dubnik called him out after the game saying he's, what, 165 pounds trying to push people around. But it was confusion and surprise on the fact of everyone else, except for St. Louis fans said, yeah, that's the guy I want on my team fighting, you know, getting mad that he's losing and stuff. Really? Okay. We mentioned this a little bit when we talked with Laura last week on how Jordan Bennington is not the same Jordan Bennington from those playoffs. His numbers have dipped, and we're starting to see the Jordan Bennington that everyone had seen struggling in the minors. The guy that was demoted to the ECHL, Jordan Bennington. Now, yes, his numbers are not that bad, but in terms of lackluster performance and not being able to meet expectations, had a good run in that 19 cup run. Yes, 100%. But I, I just don't understand what makes him think that he's that good and he has that much power where he can just go up after people. And Eric Carlson, and I know Eric Carlson is still getting paid $11 million, by the way, and he's not as good as he used to be, not Norse caliber defenseman Eric Carlson. But you still don't go after a leader of a team like that. And, like, how Because I mean, it's, is San Jose that soft that no one decides to go after him? Like, I'm not going to say the league should do something about it because the Angel Department of Player Safety is a joke. They'll never do anything unless they literally get strangle-held into doing something because someone had to get carted off the dang ice. But what makes him think that he is, you know, that kind of a guy that can just skate around? It's like, oh, I'm mad and I'm getting chirped, so I'm going to take exception to it. All right, is he that thin-skinned, really? Like, is are his wall, like, does he have some, you know, short complex or something? Is there, 
Is there something he's overcompensating for with this this tough guy attitude that he has? Because seriously, what makes make Jonathan Quick has calmed down a little bit. That's because he realized he's no longer that kind of Jonathan Quick. I mean, yes, the Kings are on a little bit of a hot streak right now, but I, I what in the, what makes it like Bennington is? I don't say they use washed up, but how did I describe it last night? I said, here's the difference between Jordan Bennington and Jonathan Quick. Jonathan Quick, of course, which can just lose it, like I said, on a whim. The difference between Bennington and Jonathan Quick is that Bennington's a one-hit wonder. Bennington has as many hits as... I'm trying to think of a one-hit wonder band quickly off the top of my head, but I can't. The bands I listen to actually have more than one song, typically. I don't know. Who's the guy that's saying, what is love? That's, you know, the what is love? That guy. There's a one-hit. Yeah, he's got as many hits as that guy does. Or whatnot. Um, uh, who's the one that's saying "Walking on Sunshine"? I, that girl too, or that band, or whatever. Yeah, there's another one. Um, the Eurythmics. There we go. Sweet dreams are made of this. There's a one-hit wonder for you. Yeah, yeah. He's got as many hits as Eurythmics. Finally got a band to go for there. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, dude, like kick rocks with flip flops. This is so stupid that I, I don't want the league to do anything about it. I want one of the players to do something about it. And all the Blues fans are like, oh, man, oh, look at this guy. He's, he's fighting. He's for my team. That's what we like to see. And I, who was, I think, Tony X, you know, Solo City, he said, like, he responded to Devin Dubnik's quote of saying he's 165 pounds, and there was a pic- he took the picture of Bennington holding the cup. He said he's 200 pounds in this picture. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's 200 pounds because he won a cup. And, yes, he had a good run, but what has he done for you in the last, in what, the last 20, 36 months? Nothing. <laughs> Let's be honest here. He hasn't done anything. He, The Blues, yes, played bad in front of him. They didn't play great in front of him in the playoffs, but Jordan Bennington wasn't helping out their cause. So I just, I just think if you're not up to snuff, if you're not playing well, if you are not the top goaltender, you have no reason to try to be a tough guy. It's pretty much the epitome of a backup goaltender losing his mind. I mean, well, I mean, there was Garth Snow for the Flyers, but it's like just thinking that you're you can make a difference when you're not a top guy like that. Like it makes you look like a joke. That's my thing. You don't. You're just. I'm not saying the word washed up yet. He's still young, but he's <laughs> he doesn't have that kind of leeway, that kind of leverage in the National Hockey League. If Carey Price were to do that, okay. Now, yes, Carey Price is having a little bit of a rough stretch right now, but Carey Price has been able to show that he is a top guy in the National Hockey League. So, or at least Carey Price has shown that he is a top guy. He's won individual awards. He is highly regarded. Jordan Bennington is a one-hit wonder. That is the big difference between being able to voice your opinion and step up towards star players and other teams' goaltenders. The fact that Dubnik just didn't clock him, I was like, uh, I mean, I get it. Dubnik doesn't want to get kicked out of the game, but... If you're if a goaltender comes up and gives you a shove, I would have snapped. I would have I don't know if I'd have gone full Ronnie Hextall or full Jonathan Wall. There's a good reference for you junior hockey fans out there. But there, there's always those kind of aspects to look at. So regardless, Bennington, stop it. Just calm down. No, no one's I, I see what you're trying to do, but nobody cares. You're not a great goaltender anymore, unless you figure it out. If you figure it out, then you can start doing stuff like that. But until then, just stay your stay your course, stay in your own boat. Speaking of goaltenders that stayed in their own boat and actually played well last night, Jack Campbell for the Toronto Maple Leafs, 
first game back, I think it was over. He was injured for over a month after getting hurt in that Calgary game early on in the season. Comes in his first game, 30 save shutout. Looked calm, looked good. The team was excited for him. And the Leafs get a big win against Edmonton, the top two teams in that North Division right now. I mean, I'm I'm excited to see what, you know, because there's two more games between these two teams. I forget the exact. I think they play Monday, and let's just see here. Uh, as I scroll across the thing here, they play tomorrow, 10 o'clock puck drop, and then they play, they play Wednesday? They do play March the 3rd. Yeah, they play Wednesday. So they play tomorrow and Wednesday, well, two more games in Edmonton. And going into this little set here, Edmonton was within striking distance of matching them, or getting the, you know, tying them with points, because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, as of right now, they are a six-point. There's a six-point gap because Edmonton won. They were within four heading into last night. Now they're back within six. So obviously Edmonton's not going to be able to overtake the Leafs or even tie them at the end of the set. But this was going to be a measuring stick series for these two teams. Of course, last night, they were able to get a good little run, did the, the, the Leafs. Zach Hyman with a beautiful goal, absolutely overworking Darnell Nurse. And that was one of my favorite tweets last night as well. When did, since when did Zach Hyman become another dad? And since when was it Darnell Nurse becoming his son? And I was just like, wow, throwing shade at him. And if you watch the playback, you see Darnell Nurse try to get a little bit of a grab on him. Then he pulls off because he thought he was going to get a holding call, which at that point, Zach Hyman decided, I can be like Mitch Marner too. And then he ends up putting off a great play, reeling it going top corner on Mike Smith. And it was a great play in general. And I like to think that Hyman, I mean, I saw it at Michigan all the time. He's a guy that is, you know, really, you see him as hardworking and a bulldog. But at Michigan, he had those flashes of being a really good skill player. And I like to think that at some points he's able to show it, as we did see last night. Jason Spezza scored in that game last night as well, and just a nasty play as well. I mean, it was absolutely faking Mike Smith. And the first thing I thought of, for all for those of you that always watch the Rock'em Sock'ems of Don Cherry, or listen to Don Cherry and Coach's Corner, at least once a year, he will mention the Daryl Sittler goal that won the 1976 Canada Cup in overtime, beating Czechoslovakia. The goal way the way that goal went, Daryl Sittler, because Don Cherry says he's the one that you know pointed this out. The Czechoslovakian goaltender will come way out. This is back in the you know the 70s, back when goaltenders, if a guy was coming down the wing and he was going to wind up for a slap shot, they just come charging out of the net and just challenge almost at the hash marks. That's what the Czechoslovakian goaltender did. And apparently Don Cherry went down there and during the intermission and said, Hey, Fake the slap shot, step around him. What does Sittler do? Coming on the left wing side there at the Montreal Forum, winds one up, and he fakes it around him and slides it in. Jason Spezza, what's he do last night? The two-on-one with Jimmy VC. Mike Smith's coming out to challenge him. Spezza, who has a great shot, great passer as well, comes down that wing, fakes the shot. Smith, I think, if you watch that play again, it looks like he thinks he's going to pass it back across to VC, which, like I said, Spezza's a great passer, and I think Smith was respecting that. Because Smith all of a sudden gets his feet kind of entangled in himself, and that allows Spezza to go around him, tuck it into the short side. That would have been, I believe, the fourth goal of the game. I think I made it 4 nothing. But regardless, great game for the Leafs, a big win. They now have 34 points in the season. Like we mentioned, six points ahead of Edmonton, seven points ahead of third place. Winnipeg, Montreal, and a playoff spot. Still, <laughs> despite last night, they got a point. One of our two overtime games we'll talk about here. They did get a point against Winnipeg. A very close game, but you really saw Montreal come out hungry. 
Connor Hellebuck put in a great effort last night for the Winnipeg Jets. I forget what the exact shot totals were. Let me go back to my NHL game center to get you the exact numbers on that game last night. I believe the shots were, I think, 40 to 16, if I'm not mistaken. Where are they here? Team stats. They 41-21 in favor of the Canadians. Connor Halibuck stopping 39 of 41. Jake Allen, no, 40 of 41 did Connor Halibuck. 19 of 21 for Jake Allen. Didn't play bad, though. However, the problem was the game winner, just 36 seconds into the overtime, shot by Nikolai Ehlers, squeaks on through, and who pokes it in? Paul Stasny. Win for the Jets. They're now third in the division and looking pretty good. And obviously, that's one of those wins you had to scrape to get by, but that's what the Jets did last night. And now Dominic Ducharme, 0-2, or 0-1-1 as the Montreal Canadiens head coach. You know, I I feel bad because when we talked with Brian Mudrick, remember a couple weeks ago in our first TKS Quick Hits this season, he said that I, I started to mention that there could be a goaltending controversy, and he said, no, not a chance, no way. Kids, I'm not sure anymore because look at the goaltending. Carey Price hasn't looked good. Jake Allen didn't play great, but he didn't play bad either. Had to make a couple of big saves to make sure that game didn't end in regulation. You got to get at any point you can right now, and if you know they're going to be trying to just bunker down and hold everything they can to stay in that fourth spot. Calgary's right behind them with 22 points, and yeah, Vancouver and Ottawa. Well, Ottawa's hot. They lost last night, though. Vancouver, who I believe has lost like what their last 11 of their last games or whatever. I uh, I'm gonna go to their schedule now because I gotta see. Let's see here. Do, 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 do. They played their last game in February on Thursday. They one, two, three, four, four out of five. They lost their last four. Five out of six. They've lost six five of their last six games have the flames. The Habs themselves have lost, I believe, what is it, seven of their last eight games. So those are two teams that are on a slide. Vancouver, those out of a playoff spot. Montreal, who started off so well this year, is not playing well at all. And by the way, shout out to the curfew boys. They they mentioned my little rant on the on their show this past week or last couple or a couple days ago. And now I must have I must have when I called them out, I must have not have made it so clear because I said I blamed Matt Murray for the for Claude Julian getting fired. Not directly. It was more or less the Matt Murray play, if you guys remember. The play where Matt Murray, you know, got bumped, but he didn't get up quickly enough, which ended up leading to the goaltender interference call that negated the Brandon Gallagher goal, which would have won the game for Montreal and may have let Claude Julien live another day as the bench boss for the Habs. So that being said, obviously Ottawa is, I, mean, I don't know if they can turn it around, but right now it's, it's looking pretty tight in that North Division because they're... If Ottawa can win a few more games and get over maybe 25 points here in the next week or so, you're looking at a possibility of seeing a team that can be in it. Because right now, between second and fifth, obviously, like I said, six points for the Leafs, second and fifth, there's only a six-point difference. Calgary, 22. Montreal, 23. 27 for Winnipeg, 28 for Edmonton. So there's a battle for that last playoff spot. Vancouver, a week ago, was in it. It started to really fall off, but obviously there's a lot of time for that. But regardless, obviously a great win last night for the Jets. 
Take a look at the scoreboard right now. The only final today, Boston beating the Rangers 4-1 at MSG. Game's going on right now at the end of the first period between Philadelphia and Buffalo. Scoreless there. A lot of posts being hit in that first period. Carter Hart and Johansson both got a little lucky thanks to some iron. Washington and New Jersey late in the first period. 1-1 score in that game. Let's see who got the goal in that one. Also, Columbus and Nashville is in the third or later stages of that first period. Mikhail Maltsev scoring for the Devils. Jakob Vrana for the Capitals scoring. And for in the Columbus-Nashville, this is their third of three games between these two teams. Kevin Staland scoring for the Blue Jackets. Nick Cousins scoring for the Predators. As that is, they look at the out-of-town scoreboard because that's apparently what I do now. I just do well now that I'm able to because usually when we do the show, it's you know six to eight thirty, and by the time we get off the air, usually we're talking to guests or whatever. I just don't have that ability. Yesterday, the Preds actually pulled out a win, a two-one win over the Blue Jackets. They're now nine and eleven. Blue Jackets are eight, nine, and five guys. Hey, <laughs> oh boy, Torts, uh, what you got going on there, friend? But. Regardless, going back now to, uh, we got about 15 minutes left here on this Sunday edition here of the Cule Show. Uh, the other overtime winner that I want to mention was a very exciting one, very interesting one. Matthew Dumba, Minnesota Wild, a team right now that is right in the thick of it in that Central Division, or in the West Division, excuse me. They're they're hanging in there, guys. I mean, we'll take a quick look at it right now. They're second. <laughs> They're se- Hold on. Okay. Let me go. Let's go by point percentage here so no one gets in the hissy fit. They're still second in the West Division. Are the Minnesota Wild. They're second in points. They're second in points percentage. They have, they're 12 and 6 now after last night's win. They are right above Colorado, who is 11, 6, and 1. 12, 4, and 1 are the Vegas Golden Knights. So. It, it, it's so, I love it. It's, it's it's so interesting because this Minnesota Wild team, I, I always say they're pesky. And look, we talked to Eric Pesolano, you guys saw in the interview earlier. They're a pesky team that always seems to find a way to make the playoffs. And here we are. Now, all of a sudden, I'm not saying they're a favorite. They've played three less games than St. Louis. They're playing the same amount of games. They played one more game on Vegas, same amount of games as Colorado. But they're but they're looking good, guys. Right? They're they're looking like they're looking like a team that can really make some hay in this West Division. And I said Minnesota, this is the division to beat because I thought the California teams will be bad. Obviously, LA is picking up some steam, but Anaheim and San Jose, in terms of points percentage, are the bottom two. Anaheim sitting last right now with 21 games played. San Jose is seven, nine, and two. They're technically they're eighth in the division in points, seventh in points percentage. But Minnesota last night, close game against the LA Kings. There was the reverse retro night for both teams, and people liked the matchup, the Subway versus the Purple and Gold. I mean, Minnesota Wild versus the Purple and Gold LA Kings. But a really good hockey game, goes to overtime, looking like we're about to head to a shootout. Matt Zuccarello, though, throws a pass into the slot in the dying seconds. Here's Matthew Dumba streaking right down the middle, catch it on the forehand, and has the presence of mind just not to just shovel the puck on goal. Not just, oh, man, guys, I, I, we're, we're in trouble here. Let's just get it on net. Not much time left. What does Dumba do? He said, I'm going to take that chance. Makes a move in front. Sneaks it around the far pad of Cal Peterson. 
0.3 seconds left. Wins it for the Wild. Minnesota, second best team in that division. I don't want to say the word favorite because I think that's a little unfair, maybe a little too premature. But they're looking good, guys. I think they're really a team that's got to be reckoned with. They have, like I said, I mean, if now I don't know what Dumba's feeling with this hockey club. I that that whole saga is going to probably continue on for an extended period of time because I mean, the trade deadline's coming up. But if you're Bill Guerin, how can you trade a guy that's going to be a vital part of your team if you have a chance? Now, I'm not saying this is going to this is not a Stanley Cup contender by any stretch of the imagination. However, if you're going to be able to compete, why wouldn't you? Why don't you want to compete? And if you give your team a chance to really make, you know, because that's, you talk about being able to attract free agents. And Minnesota, is really, despite being the state of hockey and having such a great fan base, it's, it's a tough market to sell for free agents because some people, it's the weather. Snows a lot in Minnesota, gets a little rainy too in the spring, in the fall, and I get that. Sometimes a little cold as well. Kind of have, I don't say the Edmonton thing, and well, Winnipeg's got the same problem as well. Yet, here they are showing that, listen, if we if we can compete in the playoffs, get to the second round, or heck, maybe even somehow knock off Colorado or Vegas and make it to the, the semifinals this year, how's that going to look for free future free agents? Now, yes, you have to do it consistently if you want to continue to get the big names in, you know, like a team like Tampa and Boston. But you're going to have to, but if you can put in a good effort and get have a good playoff run, that's what's going to really help sell the team to free agents and other players is that, you know, they put those no trade clauses to their to their teams and don't trade me here. If you want to be left off that list for the Minnesota Wild, you got to show that you want to compete. And if Billy Guerin's able to convince them and say, hey, stick with us here and let's try to have a good run with this group and maybe that'll be able to come out come to fruition and maybe minnesota can cause some havoc in the playoffs cam talbot's been playing well you have dumba parise may not be the biggest point getter on the team but of course could we forget to mention some kid named kirill kaprizov who if i'm not mistaken last time i checked with he was leading the minnesota wild let's just take a quick look here as i hit minnesota Wild stats. I didn't think I was going to go this far with the Wild, but let's just pull it open here. Currently, yes, leading the team with six goals, 11 assists, 17 points. I believe he got a goal last night against LA. He did get a, yep, he did score last night. I thought he did. He has points now in his last, well, and I'm looking at hockey reference right now. He says he has points in each of his last five games, has points in his last five games. Okay, he was held pointless in the in a win against Anaheim on the 18th. But in terms of points, though, he has five. He has points in seven of his last nine games. He's been only held off the score sheet, looks like six times so far this season in the amount of games that he has played which as I go to his full stat line again, is 18. So not too shabby, though, for the youngster. First game of the season. Of course, you have Cam Talbot playing well, Kappa Kakinen playing well for the Wild, two goaltenders, and Kap- Kakinen. A lot of people were questioning on whether he could be a guy that could eventually you know, be an NHL goaltender. He's like, oh, he's great in the NHL. He's had a couple of flashy starts, but gosh, so did so did uh, Matt Hackett. Remember Matt Hackett, Jeff Hackett's nephew, came into the Minnesota Wild organization, had some good games every so often, and you know what? 
he was uh, he was okay, but he didn't have couldn't couldn't sustain a good solid long career. Kakinen so far has been able to do it. I say give this guy a chance to continue on, let him continue to press on, and then you know he's eight and four this year, has a nine one five save percentage, not the greatest, two four one goals against average, not the great numbers, but he's winning hockey games right now. Talbot nine two six save percentage, two one nine goals against average in seven starts this year. Minnesota, a, a team that I don't. It's weird because in college hockey, everyone wants to go to Minnesota. Yeah, of course, you got University of Minnesota, you got Duluth, you got Bemidji State, Minnesota State, who's the number three team in the country right now. You have St. Thomas coming to be a Division One team in the CHHA next year. So high school and college hockey is not a problem in Minnesota. It's just selling to the pros to come to Minnesota, to come to St. Paul to play for the Wild. If they can, if they can show they can be a top team in the division, shoot, why not? <laughs> go for it. Now, I'm not saying now. I'm not saying go full scale buy at the deadline, but if you can win with house money, I'm pretty sure Billy Garen's looking over those options for certain. Uh, looks like how much time we got left? No, not a whole lot of time. I'm just trying to figure out what to. I'm gonna say what else to talk about. There's always stuff to talk about here. They're uh, still in the intermission of Buffalo and Philadelphia. Like I said, only a short episode here today. We may be wrapping this up here just because of the fact that didn't get a whole lot of notes to do for this weekend because knowing the fact that I had a Monday show and the fact that I had two interviews uh, lined up, the replays of Eric Pestolano and Nick Alberga, which you can check out on your favorite podcatcher or the Kiel Show YouTube channel, which you're probably watching it on right now. I didn't even bother to check. I haven't checked the chat in a while. Let's see. Is anyone talking right now? Is anyone on there? Nope, no one's on here. Cool. Just want to make sure that no one was watching this thing. Uh, that's always reassuring, right? I'm just here talking to myself. It's all good. But regardless, I think that can be... A, yeah, let's wrap it up. You know, I, I I think I've done enough talking for today. I've done enough talking this weekend. I can feel my throat starting to come back and start to bite me in the derriere. But thank you all for tuning in on this special Sunday episode of The Kula Show. Like I said, check out the replay tomorrow on Zingo TV, channel 761 on Monday night. Also, your favorite podcatcher, The Kula Show YouTube channel to watch it if you want. You can also jump on our Twitch stream as well because we're streaming on that right now. You can check that out. And also the replays of some high school hockey I have done recently. Go on and check that out as well. When you talk about the show today, make sure you use the hashtag TKS at the Cubicle Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Follow us all on there. And make sure you just get in the conversation and let us know what you want to hear because obviously there's a, all sorts of stuff we can talk about. We'd like to hear your input as well. Be sure to jump on that on your favorite social media platform and let us know what you guys think. But that is it for this one, folks. I'm Tyler Kuehl, the insider of the insider, saying thank you for watching this episode of The Kuehl Show. We will be back for sure next Monday, 6 o'clock on 12 Ounce Sports. Be there or be square. Thank you very much and have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Goodbye, everybody.